Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Founder Investor Fit podcast. My name is Farooq Siddiqui. I'm the founder and CEO of DeFinance. And with me, as always, is Thomas Kellner. I am co-founder and head of risk of DeFinance. And today we have a uh, special guest and uh, I think already a budding friendship with uh, <laughs> James Flint of uh, James, tell us about you. Uh, you are also a founder. What have you founded? Um, uh, thanks, Eric. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a co-founder of a, of a healthcare communications platform called Hospify. Um, we're based here in, in the UK. I'm in London. And uh, yeah, we're kind of a sort of a combination of WhatsApp and Slack for, for healthcare, but obviously with real data compliance and, and a lot of focus on uh, on moving uh, health sensitive healthcare data around, uh, so um, yeah, but we try to do it in a, in a much more user friendly manner than has traditionally been the case in the in the healthcare sector. Well, you get to be our first international guest, so you get oh. that honor for the history of this podcast. Yeah, what an honor! I, I feel, <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel very important. Thank you. <laughs> and and we're actually discussing uh, issue today that has international significance. It's a global problem. Global. So global. Uh, so it's perfect that you're joining us today uh, to talk about it. So um, for our listeners, we're going to be talking about, as you know, we talk about all types of issues around founder investor fit. You know, finding the right investor uh, for your startup, and sometimes it's important to figure out who is not your right investor, right? So, and that's going to be the focus today, but specifically more, uh, it's even more uh, problematic because we're going to talk about uh, scam artists that are reaching out to find founders and exploiting them. And we're going to talk about a very specific scam that both James uh, and us here have experienced. So it's a common one. And James has done a fantastic job by actually writing a blog about this. So making it available for other founders to discover uh, this scam. And that's how we found out and other companies have as well. So James, I'll turn it over to you now to kind of walk us through a little bit as to how you've discovered this problem. And then um, and then we'll talk about a little bit about how we kind of came, in, came, came into it as well. And then you know, we'll have a little discussion around that. Cool. So, uh, well, yeah, I'm happy to talk about experiences. It's sort of a strange one, um, and, uh, uh, and but we, we you know, we felt inclined to share it because, uh, well, we thought other people might have come across the same problem, and indeed, that seems to have been the case. So, um, you know, we, we're out there, we're a startup, you know, we're early stage, we're raising money, we've done a couple of rounds, you know, sort of friends and family and, and pre-seed, and we've raised about a million pounds to date. And, uh, you know, there we are on our journey, like many other companies, and we're trying to raise the next round, a kind of seed round, trying to, out there trying to raise about 2 million. And we've been trying to do that all, you know, for about 18 months. And, you know, we're on that journey. And, um, yeah, so obviously we talk to a lot of investors and under COVID talking to investors has been, you know, strange. You have to do it on Zoom a lot. You often don't meet people. Often you go down quite a long way down the, the, the track of doing due diligence and meeting people and conversations and there's a lot of trust there and so um yeah it's not unusual to do a lot of the investment process uh, remotely uh, and so there we were uh, and um one day into my email comes an email from uh, a guy in kuwait uh called dr abdul and um he's saying oh yeah we've heard about your company through and he named one of our previous investors who was actually part of an accelerator program and uh you know we 
we heard about you through one of their emails and uh, we'd like to have a chat with you you know are you fundraising yeah so this is not i mean it's quite unusual to be approached directly but because the approach name checked an investor that we had we you know our kind of guard was down uh, but it's not unusual to start a conversation with investors by email right so um so there we go i email back and go oh i am you know please thanks for getting in touch you know what would you like to know and they'd like to send me send the deck so i send the deck and then a couple of days later you know they come back and go yeah we really like the deck you know uh, we're quite interested can you tell us a bit more and i'm like yeah um can we ask you know here's here's 20 questions right so we're like okay dd time right i mean you know, uh, we've been through this process with investors before. I've spent a lot of time in the last, you know, actually not just the last 80 months, but the last five years doing investor DD, right? So I'm not, it's not unusual for me to, um, yo, oh, hang on, Farouk, you're saying something and I can't hear you. Just ask you to pause for a second, but I, yeah. just, want to, I just want us to walk parallel tracks. So what happened yeah. with us is we also got this email, right? Uh, they talked in, with you. They talked about a past or existing investor connection. Uh, with us, it wasn't that. Um, but what I typically do is we have like a we have like a couple of people in our investor outreach team who kind of help me do some research and background. So one of the things we look for is some transparency, right? Can we find these people out there, you know, on LinkedIn or other other platforms? So they were not on LinkedIn, and it yeah. wasn't the same company that you talked about. Um, Eventually, the person we talked to was also in Kuwait, but the company initially was in Thailand. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. And our the company was Raj Thani, I think it was something along those lines. But I think you've you're adding that to your blog so people can pick it up from there. Yeah, I'll put that on the blog post. Yeah. So for us, it was back in March, and I did not uh, pay attention for a while. So we just. Uh, about oh, a month. Quite a while ago. Yeah, right. but so about six months went by where I didn't really do anything with it, and then I've now that we're starting to raise again after TechStars as a later part of this year. Uh, now we're recording this episode on on December third, and so we bought about a month ago. Uh, we did a little due diligence, and our team came back and said, "Well, they're not on LinkedIn, but there's a website. The website looks credible." And uh, there's some, you know, other some basic information that's on the internet. So at least it's worth exploring. So then again, we, then I responded and said, hey, thank you for reaching out. You know, how did you hear about us? And they, I think they said something, uh, Techstars or something. I don't know how you, they mentioned. But uh, then same thing, we got a list of like 20 questions. But anyway, continue from there. Yeah, so I mean, like you guys, I did a bit of early stage DD on them, you know, and I, and I looked at their website and uh, and I and I did go to LinkedIn actually, and I, and I couldn't find them on LinkedIn. Um, but then I went, there were like six names on the website. And I kind of figured, well, okay, maybe th these are all oil company, oil company people and they're all in Kuwait. So, you know, it's not unusual for people in that world not to be very public. And it's also possible there is stuff on the internet, but it's all in Arabic and I can't read it. Right. So, you know, I was like, okay, benefit of the doubt. And then there was one guy who had a name and I did find somebody who looked like it might be them on, on, on LinkedIn with a, with a background in the oil industry. And I thought, well, maybe there is a connection here. I can't really tell, but so we did, I did do that. And um, so, yeah, so then I did the DD and then, well, but then one of the things that sort of, again, the questions came through and I sort of did the first round of DD, I think I can't quite remember the order now. And um, then, uh, and I said, you know, if I wanted to, you want me to do these questions, you're going to have to sign an NDA. 
right? Because you, you're asking financial questions, you're asking competition questions. So yeah, next stage beyond the deck, you want more info, sign an NDA. And so I sent, and the guy said, yeah, okay, uh, we'll sign the NDA. So I sent over the NDA and they signed it, sent it back. And that's usually quite, a, a, we kind of use the NDA. I, a lot of investors, a lot of real investors actually won't sign an NDA. Yeah, they won't sign. Yeah. Um, so, but also, you know, people who will sign the NDA tend not to be time wasters. So it, it's a funny one. It can frighten off real investors, but it can also be used as a bit of a, a kind of a filter for time wasters. So they sign the NDA. And um, and I was like, okay, so I'll do the DD. So I did this DD and it actually took me a couple of days of work with a lot of questions. And then they went away and went quiet for three or four days. And then they came back with another 20 questions. And uh, so, and this was a quite a lot of work for me. So, I mean, we're a small company. I have to do the investor DD myself. I can't farm, I don't have an investment team to farm it out to. So I then pulled like, you know, a couple of, you know, like afternoons over the weekend, you know, not playing with my kids, but like doing this and turn that back. Um, and um, yeah, I kind of tend to do this stuff. I feel it's like doing kind of uh, yeah, laps or running stuff. It, it's kind of good to periodically answer DD questions at length because you can, you know, you update everything and it yeah. pulls all your stuff together. But at the same time, I was thinking this is quite a lot of work. So we did it and then, uh, and then you know, a week or so went by and then they came down and they were like, oh yeah, no, we, we, want, to, we want to take your whole round, all 2 million. And so, yeah, then it was like, wow, okay, yeah, okay. Now, now okay. this is getting serious. Yeah, so now let's pause there for a second. So, so again, uh, we, we answer the question, but I forget, Thomas, was it before answering the questions or after that we asked him to come on a, a Zoom uh, meeting with us? It, it was before. It was so, before, okay. Yeah, because he, he uh, so he came to us, by the way, I checked the email. He didn't, see, uh, James, you had the, one advantage that he said oh we came we heard about you through one of your previous investors and that gives you the opportunity to pick up the phone and say hey mr so-and-so did you you know who these people are yeah we didn't get that because oh, okay we we became acquainted with you through the attached pitch deck which right away was like where'd you get our pitch deck yeah right right so but you didn't think about it but anyway yeah so we actually got him on a call and then the two rounds of emails came after that okay which when we when we let i want you two to go through it and then as head of risk i kind of want to go address you know the the red flags that i saw at when you guys are done um but yeah it was before okay and, and that's so, really interesting yeah yeah and, and, and to your point james about not being on linkedin we've talked about the same thing that people overseas like you know like in this case we thought it was thailand and in your case it was kuwait we thought okay yeah, maybe people are not as transparent over there. It's more of a you know Western mm -hmm. world kind of a mm -hmm. thing versus some of this stuff. So or, or government or government restrictions on internet. Just, yeah, it could know, be a bunch yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, there is that there is that factor, and again, that's one of the reasons these guys start to kind of you know get the benefit of a doubt out of you because you're kind of thinking, well, you know, this is culturally culturally unknown for me, and you know, I don't want to jump to any conclusions, and you know, people may operate differently. So you kind of, you know, you're prepared to give the benefit of doubt in a way that you might not if it was, you know, the guy down the road. So, and then, uh, and then, because um, I remember clearly about this, that we had that call and there was a language barrier to some degree, but the person did come on and there was a video call. So we're able to see them. Saw his face, yeah. Saw his face, talk to him, but he was in Kuwait. So, so, mm -hmm. 
So that was the first Kuwait connection. So until then, it'd been Thailand, Thailand, Thailand. But the phone call was up with somebody in Kuwait. Yeah. He so that I'm, happened. I'm, I'm currently, I'm, I'm currently in Kuwait. Right. He, he made it sound like he wasn't permanent in Kuwait. Right. Ah, uh, how interesting. Okay. And then, because um, that second set of questions, I was like, "What is this? It's another, you know, twenty questions." Yeah, and yeah. I, I, and it was this was just like about maybe a week, ten days ago, right before Thanksgiving in the U.S. So I just it was like Friday evening, I think, and Thomas was there too, and I was like, you know, let me just quickly type these answers. So I didn't do a detailed, like you're talking about detailed responses. I just did like one or two sentence responses to all those questions. Oh, wow. okay. And I even came back to Thomas and I asked him like, Thomas, am I being just too dismissive here by just, by just answering them in such a curt and short manner? He's like, well, it's okay. You know, uh, there's a language barrier anyway. They may come back with some stuff, but it didn't matter because as soon as the second email response went out, then we got a term sheet. For yep. the full round, for a full million dollars, we're raising a million, right? Anyway, continue, please, uh, as, as to the next. Well, it's really interesting. So, I mean, I guess we went through the same things in a slightly different order. Um, and um, you know, we we like like you did. And well, no, unlike you, actually, we could because it came through through these previous investors. We did, you know, early on in the process before I did even the DD, I kind of did get in touch with them and say, "Have you heard of these people?" And they kind of hadn't, but they kind of cast around. With some of their other startups and said that these people have been in touch with a couple of others and there were no kind of there were no red flags being flown thrown up they didn't really know who they were but i kind of knew i then had somebody going off at least sniffing around and i kind of figured whenever they find anything they'll let me know um so but then we so and it's also quite a clever tactic of these guys because yeah. usually if someone's scamming you they don't want to put too many barriers in the way right but asking for the second round of dd had that had the ring of truth around it that's what you know investors do to me they put me through hell basically you know so i'm used to being really put by the through the grindstone by potential investors and they and they usually ask me far more questions that i want to answer and they really you know, ring every bit of information they can out of me so that that kind of again it kind of made me feel that this actually had the, could be real but then so we they came back they, they they offered the round and then i was like I contacted the board and then was like okay let's have a call and i pulled in a couple of people from the board and we had a call with the guy and again it was a video call he was a guy wearing a kefir he was in a place that looked like it could be an office block in kuwait i mean it could have been down the road but you know but he didn't stay on the video leave this video on for very long but we saw his face it kind of looked plausible but we yeah. had a call that lasted for like 40 minutes right and and you know we ask questions he asked questions you know my gut was kind of telling me it was a bit odd but it wasn't out of the box crazy you know and um it was it, it sort of was plausible and you know i was being shouted by this point by my co-founder and uh director of investor relations and our finance officer who were all on the call because i was like yeah, i want you to buy beer i'm not sure about this guy i need somebody else to kind of tell me if this is crazy so we did that and then we started digging, right? And um, the term sheet came over and the whole question about the surety bond then came up. And I guess that was on your term sheet too, right? Yeah, so- uh, Last point, by the way. Yeah. Very, so very cleverly, the last point. Eight, the last point, yeah. Was it eight, num eight points again? Number eight, number eight. yeah, number, number eight. eight. Number eight, the, the famous yeah. number eight. So, um, so like for us, right, getting on a call 
gave a little legitimacy that somebody was able to you know yeah. get on our call so we didn't ask we didn't ask for an nda because i typically don't ask investors for ndas because most people don't sign them anyway so we just answer questions in a way where we don't reveal too much and at later due diligence when we know they're really serious then we can get into some of the more specific stuff so i kind of steer clear of some of those things uh, and most for most investors that works um but yes, the term sheet, and there were two points of contention. There was a point number four that I didn't like, which was like, you know, they wanted returns in two years. They were kind of stipulating certain time period for returns. And uh, and then number eight, of course, the surety bond thing. So, um, so again, since you've done the due diligence on this, if you can kind of educate our audience about what are they specifically asking for? Investment, surety bond, or ISB as they wrote it in the term sheet. Yeah, yeah. So until this point, right, we, one of the reasons we, we were kind of blaming these people is we couldn't see the scam, right? Because we were like, well, they're not asking us for money, right? So, so we couldn't see a route. Our, previ our, old, our previous investors, the ones that had been kind of supposedly the conduit for this, they said, look out for money laundering, because their worry was, we don't know who these people are. If, say they do invest in you, actually, you know, um, the scam could be simply a money laundering scam they're trying to bury some money and putting it into a startup in another country may be a good way to wash it so that's what we were alert to but then this thing about the security fund come up and this is this is the crucial piece of the puzzle yes which is that basically suddenly they're now asking us for a commitment to spend some money and they are asking us to sign the term sheet saying that we will do this before the investment money comes in and we will take you know take reasonable commercial efforts to do it so suddenly we're like, okay, so is this the scam? Are we going to have to pay this money before the investment comes in? And they're like, yes, right? You know, similar emails are going backwards and forwards. And, um, and so I go off and I think, well, again, I'm still kind of giving them benefit of the doubt. Do these, do, does this insurance even exist? We've never heard of it. My board had never heard of it. Our investors had never heard of it. I called our insurance company um, and said, have you heard of this? And they're like, oh, you know, we have heard of this. And I was like, oh, okay, right. Uh, we're not really sure about it for investments, but it does exist and we don't do it, but this company, Eula Hermes does, which is like a kind of massive insurance giant, a big, one of the big companies and market leader for it. So I, they give me a contact there and I kind of email them and they pass me on to somebody else. And they show me the website and whatever. And I get out an email from somebody in the surety bond department and they're like, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've got this company and we're in investment and, um, you know, would you, would you insure us? And they're like, sure, we just got some stipulations. And number one is your turnover has got to be more than 30 million pounds a year. And number two, the company's got to have more than 2 million in assets and then we'll do it, no problem. You know, how much do you want to insure for? And I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of then looked around more and I realized these surety bonds do exist but they exist for a particular type of business. And that really is construction and infrastructure, right? So, so security bonds are a thing, but you're building a bridge, you know, for a government or whatever, big contract, it might be a hundred million dollar contract to build a bridge or to build an office block. You know, you might be six months late, you might be a year late, you need insurance. You, your firm, construction firm might be quite small. So it might only have two, three million pounds of assets, but of course, your turnover is huge because you're this money flowing through your business because you're a construction company. It's coming in and going out. So you're turning over all this money. And that's why that it, it, the companies are structured like that, because they're expecting you to want to ensure this bridge that is 100 million build and it's going to be late 
and you've got to offset five million pounds of damages if it is right fine it is not right for early stage startups who are taking on early stage investor risk no insurance company in their right mind will insure that right because it's too risky and there's no assets in these early stage companies like yours and mine. Well, I certainly know from mine for sure. I also know that our turnover isn't 30 million a year. And um, if it was, you know, it would be a different ballgame. So, you know, the, again, you know, again, that cultural thing played. And, and what's clever about this scam is that it, there are elements of truth all the way along it. There's real DD. There's a real term sheet. There's a real NDA. There's a real type of insurance that looks like this. It's just that we can't get it in this country, right? And that's where the kicker comes in. Oh, if you sign the turn sheet, says Dr. Abdul, we will give you the names. He didn't say one. He gave a couple of insurance companies we know who provide it, right? Of course, there's only one insurance company that they do, and it's in Canada. We're, again, culturally different to us. I don't really know what happens in Canada in insurance, you know, or, you know, so... It's great. Now, we didn't sign the term sheet. Term sheet. Uh, I, I kind of kept pretending that I was going to sign it. And I, then I kept stalling for like slightly spurious legal reasons around needing sign off and whatever to in, frustrate Dr. Abdul to the point where he gave me the name of the insurance company anyway. Um, and uh, and uh, by that point, a couple of other things had happened. But, you know, I just pause there in case you guys yeah. want to kind of catch up with your side of the story. Sure, so we get the term sheet also. Um, so the so Thomas and I, of course, have been talking about this whole thing as this is developing. And uh, and both of us have, you know, I mean, we have an attorney we work with, but I'm like, you know, instead of going, if, I go, if we go to our attorney, we want to make sure this is all legit before we start spending money on you know, getting this deal done. So let's make sure all this stuff is legit. And then Thomas had some resources, legal resources that he's uh, that he knows. So he kind of conferred with them and got their opinions. Um, so then we decided to just respond and just kind of qu ask questions about these two points in the term sheet, number four and number eight, right? And then we also asked for references. We said, we'd like to have some references of companies you've invested in uh, that we can talk to, right? So basically, uh, and in fact, in the term sheet, I even quoted it, it said, reputable insurance company domiciled in Asia. At least that's what ours said, right? That you have to get this insurance security bond from a company domiciled in Asia. And again, uh, my response- not unusual though. Okay, but our response was, well, we don't know companies in Asia, right? So what? first of all, what is this? And that's when things really blew up for us because then we get back this very, uh, I would say about, 10 paragraph response. Which, for a very simple question. For a, for a very simple question, a 10 paragraph yeah. response that for the first time lists, and I think this is a cut and paste job because- yeah. This is where because, they Yeah, this is, so it says here, Clista Holding, which I think is the company you dealt with. Right, yeah, it is. Yeah, Clista Holding, yeah. Clista Holdings. Until then, we'd never heard of Clista Holding. It was simply whatever, Rajthani, whatever it was. Now, when we get Clista Holding, we look that up and yes, there's a website. And yes, websites, clearly you can tell they're like WordPress websites uh, built on templates, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, some of the words are different, but there's literally cut and paste on the websites also of how, like the about us section, I was, uh, you know, there's a little bit of differences, but there's three, mm -hmm. four sentences that are exactly the same. Exactly. Yeah. And, and even the, the way the websites are structured are very similar. 
Uh, they're registered by the same domain provider, which I think you list in your blog. Yeah, yeah, namecheap.com. Which yeah, namecheap.com. Right, yeah. <laughs> and the, the, what he's trying to do in this write-up to us is convincing us that this is just as good for us as them. Right. That the insurance will pay us if things go bad, as well as compensate them. So it's like, oh, wow, okay. Right. Yeah. So uh, really right. like selling the insurance to us, like yeah. you gotta do this, because it's gonna help you too. If you fail, you're gonna be able to recoup a bunch of money as well. If that was out there, I would have that several <laughs> times over. I spend my entire paycheck. On <laughs> yeah, for sure. I take, it out, I take out several policies and then even a policy on myself in case I got hit by a bus and yeah. step in front of a bus. I mean, and James, he's talking to Farouk, who is like me, I'm talking about myself. I have probably like 15 years of experience in the PNC world, insurance business, right? So, you know, so I've never heard of this, number one. Wow, okay. That, so that I'm, was, like, that's not... <laughs> I'm like, if this is the kind of policy that's out there, then we should be selling this policy, Thomas. Let's start up a brokerage and sell this to all the startups because this is going to be amazing. No, we go broke. We go <laughs> broke. Yeah, yeah. Is that? Every, yeah. every, 10, every 10 startups that we insured, we pay out on nine of them. Yeah. Right? Not a good business. <laughs> that's, <not> a good, <laughs> that's like, that's well, like saying, yeah, we want to insure these houses against fire, but they're on an active volcano. I mean, no, no, no. I'm talking about not being the carrier, being the broker. We can have oh, a commission okay. right, yeah. Yeah, broker. Yeah, right. So anyway, so that's what really threw us off. Because when we saw Kalista holding, then obviously we did our due diligence there and we ran across your blog. Yeah. And then reading that blog, we're like, okay, this is exactly the same thing. And then Kalista holding, um, you know, looks looked like, so, I mean, all you had to do was cut and paste the name of the company we're dealing with. In, in, instead of Kalista, put in Rajasthani, and it maybe maybe it's, you know somehow we would have maybe would have gone to the next step, or we may, we may not have discovered your blog. Uh, maybe I shouldn't even have said that because now they're listening. They're yeah, gonna be well, like, they're going to change them anyway. They're going to change them anyway. They're going to change them anyway. So anyway. I, I think that 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 but uh, yeah, I mean, this is really interesting. And so I mean, the, the one of I mean, a bunch of things happening in parallel. So we 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 had asked them too for um, some corroboration at some stage in the process, I can't remember what stage, but they'd come straight back. I think this is before we had the video call. What I'd done, the next day I got this letter from this bank in China, you know, the Waifang Rural Investment Bank going, oh yeah, yeah, we're Keister's bankers. You know, they've got $80 million in their current account. You know, we're we've checked them for money laundering. It's all completely cool. You can, you can email me, Dr. Shung Wing, whatever his name was, right, fine. And I was like, okay, A, this is a bit odd, but what's clever again is there were elements of truth. There really was a bank, really is a bank called the Waifang Royal Investment Bank, right? It's listed on Bloomberg. It has a BIC and a SWIFT code. And these people had a website. It's just that the website that they sent to the domain was clearly not, well, we subsequently discovered, but at the time when we went to check it out, I'm finding a website saying we found bank. It looks real. I'm finding Bloomberg listings for this bank. I'm finding Bitcoins for this bank. But in fact, these guys have set up a website. It's a fake website for a real bank. And they've got the domain that they can email from, which again is a fake website for a real bank. The Wifang Royal Investment Bank probably never talks to anybody outside of China. And it's probably, you know, everything is in Cantonese, right? But these guys, so they have no idea probably that, these guys are spoofing them out, out here in, in the West. But but that, again, it lays credibility because you're like, well, hang on, this is a real bank. I can see these 
you know, I can see the listings for this bank independently. They can't be faked. And so again, you kind of go along with it because it feels odd, but there is some corroboration. And actually, when we started to check out the websites, we found, yeah, oh, wait a minute. This banking website was registered on Namecheap.com in Reykjavik in the same month, three months ago, was the Kleister Holdings website. Yeah. I actually called Namecheap.com in Reykjavik, got them on the phone. They were very helpful. Oh, yeah, we have, you know, because we're an anonymized domain registration service, we have a real problem with abuse. So they gave me their abuse hotmail and I immediately, you know, so, but they were really helpful and uh, they, they are not, it's not unusual for, for them to get calls from people like me. So that was kind of interesting. And then when we finally got the name of the insurance company in Canada, the Yiming Insurance Company, oh, guess what? When we did a quick uh, scam check on them, their website domain was registered on namecheap.com three months ago at the same time as the other two. And that's when we knew because we could then triangulate. There was no way, right, that these three companies had these domains registered at the same time through the same provider. It just was just no way. And it was obviously at that point a scam. And at that point, we started stringing them along while I wrote the blog and, and put that up. And then we ghosted them because there is no way you want to kind of communicate anymore with these people at all. So, um, yeah, so that's the scam. It is a, it's basically a full, what, you know, what, what is known as a 419 scan. It's like that old Nigerian bank account yeah. email. It's just, you know, done for companies rather than for individuals. And because we are out there raising money and we are used to talking to people about millions of dollars over Zoom calls, it's quite easy to fall for this stuff. And, you know, if you think you're going to raise, you could easily spend 20,000 pounds on an investment bond. And people, we've been contacted by people who have fallen for this. Yeah, and obviously people are falling. Otherwise, that's why this is such an extensively collaborated uh, scam. And you're right. There are so many elements of truth in here. You know, you 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 kind of start doubting yourself. Oh, this is yeah, this is here. This is here. It kind of makes sense. And, you know, as startup founders, you're raising money. Uh, there's you know, I guess some are going to be more desperate than others in terms of where they are in their in their runway in their positions. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to fall into these traps. Uh, Thomas, yeah, you wanted to kind of shed light. Oh, the way we finished it up was, so we eventually responded to them saying that thank you for clarifying this ten paragraph email about what this ISB is, but um, but based on extensive conversations that we've had with investors. Nobody's asked for anything like this uh, uh, in the U.S. and we're a U.S.-based company, so we're going to. It's not standard practice here, so we're, we're not going to go and do something that's not standard practice for us in the U.S. And and I even at the end we wrote that we don't believe we are a good fit for you. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and to Thomas's point, I think Thomas, you can elaborate on this. And then I just got a response saying, uh, without doing this. Um, without doing this bond, uh, it, it's without evaluation from the insurance company, we cannot proceed forward, which is another red flag, a huge red flag, uh, an investor who's, who is not even able to evaluate the investment themselves and needs an insurance company is, is a big problematic area anyway. So Thomas, uh, uh, you wanted to talk about risk. Well, I mean, we had seen, we had, we had actually called the red flags before they were truly red flags, Farouk, in our discussions. But I think one thing for founders that are out there is 
these people, I mean, it, it, it's very different than I think really the Nigerian email scam, because you look at that email scam, you're like, you know, I am doctor, whatever, whatever. And I, I propose mutual agreement, a beneficially thing, but give me money. It's like, dude, how do you know me? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. But these people come with credibility. And I think, you know, every founder should remember that every myth has a basis in fact. Yeah. And any yeah. lie that you tell that you mix with truth is real it's hard to separate the two. And that's what these guys are doing. And pair that with the fact that you are probably as a founder you don't want to admit it, but you're kind of getting a little anxious about getting money in. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. they're going to play on that. That's that's the whole point of the the two sets of 20 questions yeah right to be like i'm i'm exhausted i want to i want to let's get let's let's move on with this deal right so here's the thing that um that that we did and i took some notes here um you know we we didn't have the name check we couldn't go to our like i mentioned to you we couldn't go to a, somebody they just said we found it through this through your your attached presentation which that's not a really a red flag um they had now here's a good thing for founders you went to their website and you went to their their personal like about us their profiles if you hover over each name you'll see the link comes up as the same like whatever rajasthani.com slash pound meaning there's nothing there oh really okay right so you know you and then you think well they said they've been in business since in our case, Rajasani, 1992. 92, right? Yeah. That cluster was like 2007, uh, 1992. Yet they don't have this done yet. Okay, all right, you know, maybe. Um, LinkedIn, well, LinkedIn isn't done in Bradstreet or or uh, uh, LexisNexis for that matter. So, okay, maybe not. And, and again, being in a foreign country, there are restrictions on social media, and a lot of these people will do deals with the royal families and they don't want they don't want this oil money yeah, to be yeah, found. Yeah, so really they, yeah, yeah, right. And and honestly, it could have been a front for one of the royals. That's the thing. Um, and then uh, NDA, like you said, real investors normally don't. Um, but it, and, and lots of questions. They, they're kind of uh, they're kind of exhausting you. But one thing I said to Farouk that he mentioned was when we got See, we had the benefit of going to that Zoom call early. And that Zoom call was a little bit rough because the language barrier. Right. Remember, yeah. Farouk, it was really hard for him to speak English. So I said, oh, he, he doesn't want to do another Zoom call because he wants to put it in words. It's easier for him. It made yeah. sense. But actually, yeah. Thomas, I think that's part of the scam. I think the part that of the scam, of yeah, to make it sound like the communication gap is there. It so could. you start taking some shortcuts and you don't, you know, and also one more thing that, that uh, James mentioned was he wasn't on video the whole time. It was no, on and off. Going up. He kept going up. Yeah. But a couple of times he came on. Yeah. There was another thing that I kept looking at his background, you know, to see if it was real. And I think it was because he was moving. I think he moved once and I'm thinking I've been to the middle East and that's not a middle Eastern kitchen. Right, oh, right. Not totally I... off. I mean, nobody can go by that. I mean, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, you could yeah. have been rendering, I don't know. But it was like, that looks like a really, really Western kitchen right there. Um, and then very quickly, um, 
one thing, James, that you mentioned, he said he came and he said, without naming any specific numbers, if you don't want to, he said he wanted the whole round of 2 million, right? What he did, and again, founders, think about this. If somebody, if, if you tell somebody, I'm looking for X number of dollars, let's say a million dollars, and I'm doing it at uh, a $17 million valuation, right? And they come back and they say, we'll give you a million at $20 million valuation. Why would they do that? Yeah, yeah. actually, they did a little, little above. <laughs> he went above, right? Well, I don't know if he did that with you, James, but uh, he didn't why? go above valuation. But but you know, he but, did with us. But, but they well, that's a real red flag. That's no, a real red. Why? Right. So if they're yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. So that's a red flag. Um, as for that paragraph four, asking for returns. Now, it is not unusual for early stage investors to ask for a put option. Yeah. Meaning after a certain amount of time, they want to put this share or whatever the participation back to you. Kind of turns, you know, if you really want to think about it, turns the whole deal into a loan in a way when you think mm -hmm. about it. Um, and so that wasn't so much a red flag. And that, that's something you could have come back to him and said, we'll negotiate that point. We'll give you a put option. Yeah, negotiation gonna... point, yeah. yeah Again, yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I've yeah. seen the kind of requirements and they are kind of negotiating points often. Yeah. Now, one thing that I do remember, and this is why we had a discussion early on between Farouk and myself, the first round of questions, and James, look at your first round. One of the questions was very specific. Please detail the mechanisms you have in place for anti-money laundering. Yeah, we had that question too. And again, yeah. that's one of the things that lowered my guard, right? Yeah, well, but at the same time, I'm thinking that's standard. Why are you worried about it? Are you worried because you're worried you're going to get caught? Yeah, yeah but I, I mean, you're absolutely right because the, the flip side of that question is I was thinking, oh, this is a good thing for them to ask. But then I'm thinking, actually, they're trying to find out what yeah. how, how you do this stuff. And Fruk asked me, he said, well, you know, and this is again, very early on. And so he asked me, well, how, would, how would this be a scam? How would, and I said, right away, the insurance. Yeah. They're going to ask for money. If they ask, and then Fruit said, well, that's easy. If they ask for money before they give us money, it's not going to happen. Um, and then um, also, this is something that if it were, or if it had been a, 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 uh, an actual deal, the number eight said, we, you know, you will take uh, commercially reasonable efforts yeah. to get this surety bond domiciled in Asia. So there's two things, domiciled in Asia. Well, not a red flag because if they're in Asia and they want to make a claim, they want the company to be in Asia as well. That makes sense. Commercially viable or reasonable, you can come back and say, hi guys, yeah, um, we agree to that. However, there's nobody here in the US that'll do it. Or like you said, they want 30 million turnover. So therefore it is not commercially reasonable, but I, 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 am, in, I am in compliance because you yeah. just said, make, make an effort. I made an effort. Yeah, make exactly. And, yeah. 
you're right and this is why and this is why they want you to sign the term sheet right because then they can bully you and then they yeah. can go you know uh, um i don't know if you guys signed or not but again no. i don't i mean the, the, the term sheet is like actually no term sheet is legally binding right there are right. just agreements to agree and this term sheet was awful again and one of the red flags was just the term sheet which was rubbish but 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 again if you're for more inexperienced people if you've signed something you know they can then put pressure on you and you know they started i mean they started threatening us within an, you know, as soon as they saw the website had gone up as soon as we put our blog up you know we started getting legally threatening emails right which we of course ignored but that's exactly what they would do if you signed the term sheet oh we signed the term sheet well hang on well we're not sure about this insurance but you've signed right and then they you know i just you knew that's when the thumb screws would come on and obviously they can't really do much but they can threaten and um for someone who is being a bit blindsided by this and thinks it's real then you know you know it's just another way for them to apply psychological leverage isn't it yeah. all right james we were going to talk to you about a couple other things and this episode has gone longer than normal but but i think that's perfectly fine because this is a, such an important topic uh and that we need to get out there and uh so i just want to give a couple of takeaways from my side i think all of us can do the same thing uh just advice to founders thomas already gave a few uh, uh, points there so just basic stuff right if somebody wants money from you before they put money in you <laughs> do not never. do that never, never. ever no legitimate investor is ever going to ask you for money their whole point is they have they want to give you money to succeed so right and they want to benefit from that obviously they want to get the reward uh from that right so that's it that's like the huge no no never ever do that um, and to me, more and more, it reinforces transparency. Like if you, like to me, I think really seriously, like we have to really focus on LinkedIn. I know there's gonna be some issues with some people outside the US, but if you don't have a profile in today's modern world, or maybe there's some site internationally like LinkedIn or something that in other countries, whatever, but it'll come up in a Google search, right? If that's the case. If, if you don't have a profile, if you don't have transparency, yeah, that is huge. In fact, I know there's been a couple of the emails we've gotten over the over the last couple of years that we haven't followed up with because we've just not seen anything to, to justify a conversation of any type. Um, so those are two points I like to tell, tell founders about. No matter how much you're looking for money, no matter how much you feel like you're desperate, whatever the case may be, that's part of the journey. You, you know, every founder will get to a cliff, a funding cliff where you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills. It's gonna happen maybe once, twice, three, maybe even half a dozen times. That's just part of the journey. Get used to it. Get because if you're not, if you can't take that risk, you're not supposed to be a founder to begin with. Yeah. So uh, and don't make you know don't make those decisions that are gonna cause you lots of problems when you are in that situation. Uh, there are legitimate sources out there, and in this podcast, we're gonna be profiling uh, other things that are more legitimate uh, sources of revenue, and even in, in those situations where you need help, ideas about how to get that help. James, any uh, final thoughts? Any um, things you want to advise? Yeah, well, about? I mean, I think those those are very good points. I mean, I think if, if you had a do or don't, um, you know, do double check everything, you know, um, and uh, you know, do 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 you know, um, get affidavits, insist on identity, check things out, and you know, I think you've already said the big don't. Never hand over money unless the money comes in first. If, if an investor wants to invest in you and then to spend some of that money on some kind of insurance, that's different. Once the money into your bank account, right, then you know you can you can agree to that, but you never ever hand over money before the money comes in. I, I think that the golden rule really is if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. 
you know, life is not like that. And, um, you know, people do not fall over themselves to pour money down your throat. Uh, and if they're trying to do that, look for the catch. Um, uh, you know, it's just a golden rule of life. As you say, however desperate you are, um, there are no golden tickets. Everything comes with sweat. Everything comes with compromise. Everything comes with the hard one negotiation. If that's not happening, something's wrong. And, and, and I'm not saying it's not possible to get a golden ticket, but it will come with the right signs, yeah. with the right transparency and the right legitimacy that you'll know, right? But if you have to, if you see these red flags, that's not a golden ticket. That is, that is too good to be true. And that's going to burn, uh, burn you down. All right. Thank you so much, James. Um, hopefully we can have another conversation at some point and talk about some other stuff about, about the fundraising process that uh, you can certainly contribute to. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We'd love your feedback and comments about this issue. If you've encountered this scam or other scams, please bring that to our attention. We'd be more than uh, willing to highlight those, uh, those as well and invite uh, founders who've uh, encountered them to discuss them and get them out there because we want this podcast to be really the founder-friendly podcast podcast because we want to talk about everything that founders need to know about raising capital and finding the right investor uh, for their um, startup. It's not just about taking any money. It's, to, it's taking the right kind of money as well. All right. And then um, any more ideas for topics, uh, feel free to uh, comment in, in the various platforms. This podcast is going to be listed. We'd love to hear about your topics because we really want this to be relevant and talk about things that other founders want us to talk about. Thank you so much, James, for being with Thank us you. today. I've really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I'd love, love to meet you both. And I'd love to come back in the year, talk about some other stuff. So uh, have, have a good Christmas and, uh, and thanks very much. Awesome. And Thomas, uh, as always, uh, amazing discussion. Any, any final thoughts? No, um, James, looking forward to having you back. Want to hear a lot about uh, what you're doing. Uh, and hopefully we'll hear good things uh, over the wire about your, your progress too. And anybody that comes, anybody that comes on with us, you know, hopefully you'll successfully finish your two million raise, and we'll we'll be happy to shout you out for that. Fingers crossed. Take care. Good luck with your good luck with your efforts too. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thanks, James. Bye bye.